welcome to the Tech Marketing Podcast. This is an exciting one because this is the second introduction episode to Fez, which is so nice. We introduce her twice. So we're going to be talking about kind of what roles each of us are trying to play or what we're trying to bring to the podcast and, and why we think that this might work. But first of all, let's uh, say hello to the lovely Fez. Thank you so much. Fez, we're so pleased to have you on board. It, we can't tell you how, how much every time you join us on, on these podcasts, you blow our mind with, with something. So Fez, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you've ended up at such a world-leading B2B agency, small plug there, but tell us a bit, bit, a bit about your your background Fez? Well, a small plug, but but a really worthy plug. It's it's an amazing place to have arrived at, John. And you know, I've got to consider that this is a long journey. I, I've been in advertising and marketing for 30 years. <laughs> 30 years is a very long time. And I think creativity, you know, fuels every person. But my real interest in creativity is as much in the art behind creativity as in the science that lies behind advertising and marketing, right? So it's this psychology of decision making and judgment making that really, really interests me. And it's, it's an unfolding field and an exciting field because, you know, I'm literally blown away by the writings of, I think of Daniel Kahneman, Leonard Malodnow, Dan O'Reilly, Malcolm Gladwell. You know, the, these are guys whose contributions into why we behave the way we do, why we make the choices we do is massively interesting and really pertinent for where we are now together as an agency because so much of what we do is the delivery of innovation. And it, it's an uplift for the entire industry, really. It, it goes beyond just just together. You know, this this is something that ignites the entire industry. Yeah, we touched on our roles there. Fez is here to bring the creativity and you touched on Fez, the innovation, which is gonna be Busby's uh little gambit. <laughs> That's gonna be his his section. What's what's your part, Harry? What's your part? Disruption. Again? Destruction. That's me. <laughs> I don't think it's... Well, destruction or disruption, or a bit of both. I think it is a bit morning. of both. Fez, you made a really interesting point that I, I just... There, it's, it's the moulding of the two sides of the brain, like the art and the science. How would you say that's evolved over your three decades in in the creative space? Oh, you know, it, it's, it's such an interesting question, John, because it's evolved massively. I mentioned some of those kind of great contemporary thought leaders in the space. And there's there's one particularly that I want to draw on in answer to your question. Leonard Malodnow is a nuclear physicist, a theoretical physicist, sorry. And his most recent kind of work has been around deepening his understanding of the workings of human emotion. And human emotion, we know, is so important in the making and the creation of advertising and marketing. But what is fantastic about his work is the way he has debunked deeply entrenched myths about emotions. He's asking questions like, if we, if we were to look at a piece of design, why is it that if that design, if the messaging in that design is put in uppercase letters, and if those uppercase letters are then put in bold by the designer, the brain reads that message with more veracity. And isn't that amazing that we can now start to look at work, creative work, much more critically? And, and in that critical review of work, you know, we reach beyond natural held beliefs about art, we now reach, you know, beyond that to, to science. That is massively exciting. 
is it? <laughs> if you measure the creativity too much, okay, then it actually isn't creativity anymore. Like I suppose with um, we could end up with a marketing version of of pop music when we figure out that the 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 chorus needs to come in at thirty seconds with a. Uh, with these four chords and stuff like that. And then I think we kind of filter down to very similar things where, you know, it's just kind of like it ends up with the TikTok trends, you know, mm -hmm. and you just got slight variations mm -hmm. on all these re very refined mm -hmm. ad campaigns. Mm -hmm. I actually think we've gone too far that way already, Harry. Like, I think we're overdue a correction. Mm. There's been this gradual move movement towards what we call in, in our space demand gen, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that has meant that you measure based on those metrics. You measure based on um, how how many leads you're generating, how much, not, not even how much business you're generating, purely how much activity, how, much, how many people are interacting with the, with the marketing you're creating. And it drives that, like you say, that pop music type formula, which, which really has just eroded, I'm not gonna say the value of creativity, because that's not right. But the necessity. Not even that, because it's not, because it's wrong, because it, creative is necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is a, um, a, a, a short-term view that it won't pay off in, in the long-term. And so, it, but it's just eroded it, the, the amount of its, the, the use, the innovation in creativity along that way. And it's, it's it, you know, it's almost, the more I've been reading about it and researching this webinar, the more upset I am. But I watched a video the other day, all right? I watched a video of these guys in Pakistan and they were making these traditional blankets or like rugs that they made in Pakistan, all right? And it was telling me it was a father and son duo and they make it the traditional way. And uh, it involves getting loads and loads of pure cotton and then you got to take it down to this river and wash it and like beat it on the edge. I don't want anything I, I'm going to have in my house washed in this goddamn river, okay? It doesn't look very clean. <laughs> And then they do all of this and they press it and they dye it and they, they rinse it loads of times. And then there's camel dung at some point involved in the process. And the BBC is saying, you know, you know, they're being outcompeted by more efficient, uh, in, you know, technologies of, of making blankets. And I'm thinking, yeah, no shit. <laughs> so maybe we should just move forwards. Well and maybe in the process of that, we lose a few beautiful traditions that span back hundreds or maybe thousands of years. But we gain so many mass-produced rugs. But it's, it's a good point, Harry. It's, is there in some way a quintessential loss when we bring all of this, you know, metric-heavy science to creativity? And, and I think, you know, affirmatively, yes, I, I think something is lost. Mm -hmm. Something of the mysticism and something of the magic of creativity is lost when it becomes or when it is treated exclusively as a science. But, guys, as long as there are creative people bringing creative solutions, then, then those voices will always be heard. Mm -hmm. And if I think back on my career, how many creative directors I have you know, been privileged enough to work with. So many creative directors would be asked by clients, you know, how did you come up with this? Or mm -hmm. what made you think of, you know, this way and not that way? And, and very often they wouldn't have answers mm -hmm. because creativity is kind of formless. Yeah. There is something, as I say, mystical and magical. I'd like to compare kind of marketing to like magic, okay? There's like different types of magic tricks in my opinion. So there's one where you feel genuinely tricked, okay? 
And like, let's say you pick a card, this, that, and the other, it's all of that sort of stuff. And there's the second kind of magic trick that kind of works when you're young, when it's like, okay, pick a number and now divide, add, you know, add this, now remove half your original number and all this sort of stuff. And when you're young, that kind of really works. And you're like, wow, that is my original number. But then as you grow up, it's like, yeah, that's just like, it always happens that way. It's, It's mathematical. And that, that luster goes. And I kind of think we have a similar thing with our marketing. There's this whole school of thought, at least when I was at, at university, and I'm going to show my age here, around this school of thought, whether advertising does things to you as an individual and changes your perception, or whether you perceive advertising. If you don't understand an advert, it just may not be designed for you. And that's how that's how it was thought about. You told me when I first started about uh, an advert for Splunk that said, put it in your pipe and Splunk it, but you showed it to me and it was a... I love that. Yeah, but the pipe symbol was uh, was a keyboard thing that I wouldn't have known, okay? And um, that I really dig, you know? Not everything is for everyone. Some products I want to feel, you know, exclusive. That's my excuse for why I don't understand perfume adverts. Yeah, bro, no one does. <laughs> smell is a very, very ambiguous sense, okay? How do I describe a smell to you? These types of things. You actually really yeah. do need to smell a smell. But smells, <laughs> the closest thing you're going to get is is to feeling. And then you can't describe that feeling. But we can try and visualize that smell, which is usually seduction, suave. The question more relevant to that is, is a perfume company selling the smell? Because I don't think they do sell the smell. They sell the prestige. Well, that that's really interesting <laughs> because in this sort of new realm of, of, you know, really getting to grips with the customer experience, so you'll enter a supermarket and the first sort of smell that, that hits your senses is that of, you know, freshly baked bread. But it's not actually coming from the bakery. There isn't an in-house bakery in that supermarket. The smell is synthetic and it's being released, you know, through through the air conditioning system. But the point is, it's the smell that triggers hunger. And that right there is what we're doing with our modern adverts. Yeah, of course. But I want that bakery. Let's come back to the point you were making about, you know, using the magic analogy. I mean, there's something so wonderful in the intentionality of, of creativity. Yeah. So, you know, when a magician gets up on a stage their intention is to captivate and to, you know, suspend belief, right? And, you know, for those moments that that magician has the audience in, in their grasp, that's hugely powerful, right? But it's, there's, there's a transaction going on there because the audience is willing to have its belief suspended. And I don't think that's dissimilar to advertising and marketing. When we come to brands and when we are, you know, when, when we are seen, when, when brands are communicating with us in all of these kind of different ways, you know, we're looking at screens all the time. There, there is this, there is the sense of our, you know, willing to be entertained, willing to be educated you know, w- willing to engage. Under certain rules. What are those rules? I am more than happy to be entertained. I'm looking there to be entertained. And the same thing can happen 
and it'd be totally different experiences. So I'm sat in the theater and he says, I'm getting a name, I'm getting a name, I'm getting the name of John. I'm getting the name of John, so he's coming John. And the person next to me is like, I'm John. And he goes, John, your father, your father's poorly, all of this sort of stuff. You know, and I can be losing my mind, but then if I find out afterwards that he knew who John was, then I am not happy anymore. And you know, that experience is negative. But the exact same thing happens, it's just whether or not I find out the uh, how how that sausage is made and i think that the audience is becoming very aware of how the marketing sausage is made it's it's do you know me or have you researched me these are two very different things but, but and and yet you know when 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 you hit the sweet spot it's it's sublime it literally is sublime when a brand gets it right because what what happens in that moment is you know the the receiver of the message you know, whether whether it's an existing customer or a prospective customer, they're in a moment where they go, well, this brand really gets me. And and that moment is untouchable. And is it possible? Of course it is. Like, can you give an example? Is there any that jump to mind? Yeah, several actually jump to mind. I, I think kind of the one that I'd, I'd like to use to illustrate the point is, is the brand Virgin Active. The, the, the concept of driving the the campaign was around um we've all got stuff the stuff that makes us you know uniquely distinctively human and not all of it is good stuff so it was whatever your stuff is bring it here bring it into one of our clubs and and work with it because we're interested in you becoming a better version of yourself in physical terms in spiritual terms in mental terms and this is a place free of judgment so don't worry about what your stuff is. We've all got stuff. And this campaign went viral because it suddenly opened conversations about people were talking about obesity. They were talking about diabetes. You know what my stuff is? I've got body dysmorphia. I cannot see my body in, in any real sense. I, my eyes are blinded to the truth of me in a way. It was absolutely phenomenal the kinds of psychologies that were released through this campaign, and you know, not not just there. That's that's in the sort of marketing space where where these conversations were being had, but those turnstiles at those gyms were working overtime. The campaign struck a very human chord. I was talking to the CEO of Howie's the other day. That was a it was a very successful fashion brand back in the nineties that he kind of sold out of, and he was regretting on that. But it was kind of a skatewear brand, and he made a load of T-shirts with barcodes on that would set off the alarms when walks into or out of shops uh, on the sleeves. <laughs> All of these, and he gave them out to skaters. Okay, he only made about you know two three hundred. And then uh, they went to Oxford uh, Circus and just every shop's alarms were going off. So then he gets a call from the police and says, are you making these T-shirts? And he says, yeah, I think they might be mine. I think I remember doing something like that. And then they said, well, you're going to cease and desist right now. And he was like, no, that, okay, capiche, you know, I don't want to knock on the door. So then what does he do? He calls every single skating magazine, BMX magazine, all of these things. He goes, guys, listen. I need you to pull these stories about these t-shirts. We, I, I've had a call from the police. I can't have anything written about this. It needs to be gone, okay? I, I need the pictures back and everything. Of course, they all ignore him. And uh, then 
there's the it's it's uh it's like a massive massive story and he's absolutely loving it up but what they have offered there is the product ties in to the ethos and the goals of the audience which is playful chaos and the like you know not genuinely harmful you know they're not handing them out switchblades and stuff but they are saying you know go cause a little bit of a ruckus we are a disruptive brand we don't really care we're a little bit loose and against the system and that type of thing is just like bang on for what they're trying to do it is that balance between making a campaign or making a piece of a piece of creative relevant for the audience and speak to them and also building in uh, user privacy so that we're not making it creepy uh, and so both of the examples you've just given there are, are great examples that speak to them but you know in this space where we're seeing more personalization like where it, you know i'm i'm eager to find some great examples where you're able to create well, that sublime moment but with data and scale and personalization well the thing is both of our examples asked the audience they use data to ask the correct questions, okay? So, you know, in Fez's, they asked, what is your thing? And in mine, you know, they knew that you want to cause a little bit of locomotion and we're going to, you know, put this on the table, see what you do with it. You know, that that's the type of thing. Now, if they had have gone to Fez's people and gone, hey, we've noticed you're obese. <laughs> that's such a great point. That Harry's point is bang on. It's they asked. They asked a pertinent question. And that's where the relationship building begins. That's where the connect mm -hmm. connection making begins. They are yeah. collaborative. So you know there, there is this there is this notion of you know is this permissible? Are you okay with this to give us this much of yourself or you know hand over this amount of of data so that we can you know begin having a more in depth conversation that could lead to action? I think I think that you're really onto something there, Fez. If I if I summarize it like the uh, point I was making around like does advertising do things to you or do you do things to advertising in this case it's it's you are taking advertising and making it your I'm using advertising here as a general term but that marketing message that the, you to use your stuff example and then you're making it and adapting it to be your own and then you're willing to have that much deeper relation with the brand yes sublime is a great word to use it, it it's rooted in romantic poetry and um the sublime is the sense of smallness that comes from a vast vision. You know, the cliche of this is a Shelley uh, and, and, the, and the mountain that you saw. Okay. But think of that mountain as the brand. It's this giant imposing thing. There's so much to it. And then Shelley, our boy, he's our consumer. Okay. The sublime in the traditional sense it is this sense of smallness and this sense of scale that comes from being a part of something much bigger mm. and that too is truly essential to what we are talking about when we when we have these uh, with these brand experiences yeah. it isn't what the brand says and it isn't what the person says the person the brand talks to the person the person then talks through the brand so as far as data is concerned we should not be tailoring our approach to what our customers want to hear we should be thinking about what they want to say because the other way of doing things which is which is traditional i think is being done so well by tiktok now there's actually a real honesty in the way that they are doing advertising on tiktok it's basically a person with a product saying this is my new product and i gotta say i absolutely love it i'm so happy for someone to look me in the eye and say buy this product 
as opposed to trying to screw me into it by hacking my brain with algorithms and stuff. That's what makes me dislike a brand. (laughs) What are we summarizing for our listeners in this wonderful discussion? Apart from Fez, obviously, it's wonderful to have you on board. This has been another mind-blowing conversation. But if you were to summarize our discussion over the last few minutes or so, like, how would you summarize this for our listeners? It's it's interesting to me in, in the way that, John, you as our CTO... You, you, you almost sort of represent innovation for me, you know, and so much of what you do is given to, you know, the progression of innovation across the agency. And then, and then I think about, you know, Harry in the examples that he shared with us, you know, that the, there's something pretty magical in the way that Harry is naturally disruptive, massively entertaining, but contrarian. And, and in that, Harry has the skill of, you know, really kind of turning a conventional view on its head all the time. And then, you know, in the in the way that, that I'm coming from the side of, of copywriting and, and creativity, what I love about this conversation today is that we've had an interesting a synergistic discussion around, you know, three principles that are key to making exceptional advertising and marketing communication innovation disruption and creativity what a powerhouse i'd say listeners if you enjoyed this conversation expect more like this i think this is probably going to be our format we went in somewhat blind to this and just had a brilliant time with it and that i think is going to be the theme now i've learned saying i hope we're all better off for it uh it, it was a bloody wonderful wonderful time i would say that you should readjust your thinking to try and create an experience that happens in between the human and the brand as opposed to a message that is pushed from the brand to the human. Bang on. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks' time. It's great to have you on board. Oh, thank you, John.